0: All right, so just to state for the record, today is April 21st, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman, and I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Dennis Neary, who is in Carmel, Indiana, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So, just starting off, when and where were you born? I was born
1: in uh, LaPorte, Indiana on February 11th, 1944.
0: Okay. And what were your parents' names?
1: Um, My dad was Chuck or Charles, and my mom's name was Loretta.
0: Now, where was your family from before Indiana?
1: Uh, My dad was from Ottawa, Illinois. He was born in Ottawa, Illinois. And my mother was born uh, in the United States. Her parents came over from Germany. Her last name was Walrath.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Wow. So did you have some interesting interactions with your grandparents? Did they come to visit at all or uh well, actually when I was born they were rather elderly. I, I remember my grandpa a little bit, but okay. not really sure. a real lot. Grandma lived um year many years longer than grandpa. Uh, and she was a uh, big hearty German, very strict, very uh yeah two, Thanks, lady. <laughs> wow, okay. And what were your parents' occupations?
1: Uh, my dad was a machinist for Bendix Corporation, and my mom was a full-time mother.
0: All right. Did you have any siblings?
1: Yeah, I have siblings. I have 14 of
0: them. Wow, 14. Okay, that's quite a few. Jeez. Yeah.
1: I'm number nine in the lineup.
0: I so think. okay, what well, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. What was that like growing up around that house?
1: Uh, it was pretty chaotic. Uh, you know, when you got that many people in one household, uh, you know, there were lots of good times and bad times, you know, with, you uh, just learned to live with you know, a lot of patience a, uh, my dad was pretty strict, uh, my mom was not quite as strict, so we always went to mom if you really wanted something. Uh, It was just interesting times uh, uh, in the fifties, growing up, a lot different than it is today. But uh, one of the things, stories I always tell is that, you
0: know, when I went to college, it's the first time I slept in a bed by myself. Oh my gosh, yeah.
2: I always slept with at least one brother
1: sometimes, too.
0: Wow. So, how big was your house growing up?
1: Uh, it was just a very old well, three three bedroom uh, upstairs, and then we used the living room as bedroom later when my dad got pretty sick.
2: So. Okay.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and we had a basement, and one of the brothers stayed down there. Of course, we had the old coal bed. We we did have a <laughs> water. We had to shovel the co coal, and to keep the fire going to keep the house warm
0: oh my gosh now did you the worst thing yeah is
1: there was really one bathroom upstairs and that was the only place that heat would get up there's the only vent upstairs so everybody would in the morning rush to go to the get into the bathroom because
2: it's little heat anyway uh, but Wow
1: it all worked out the girls were the hardest ones there were ten girls and five boys so you know of course they didn't do as much makeup and all the stuff they do today
0: Right. So did all 15 children live at the house at one time?
1: No. Uh, my oldest brother, Chuck, has been gone. Okay. Uh, and three of my sisters uh, went to the convent. So after eighth grade, they left uh, home and uh, went to uh, Mishawaka, the convent in Mishawaka, Franciscan. Sisters of St. Francis.
2: Wow, They
1: were called the Sisters of the Poor, but they lived in a Studebaker mansion. I could never figure that
0: out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure that was quite the childhood. Um, I mean, how would you describe it overall?
1: Overall, well, you know you don't know any better, but it was good times. We all, you know, we didn't... Uh, Expect a lot, and we all, all, you know, when we got old enough to work. I, I mean, I had a paper out when I was in fourth grade. We all chipped in and, you know, helped out. So, it uh, uh, seemed like my mom was, you know, having a baby every two two years, or like a thirty years span there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I always say my dad was in the hospital so much they thought he was a doctor. But
0: uh, wow. Oh, okay. That's, wow. That's, that's really interesting. Okay. That, that might be a record in terms of people I've talked to, at, uh, for a number of siblings. That's, uh, <laughs> quite a few. Um, yeah. what understanding, if any, did you have about your family's political beliefs as a young child?
1: Uh, my dad was very, uh, he, he belonged to the union. Uh, he was a union steward, so he was a Democrat. But my aunt, uh, Dad's sisters were all Republicans. And mm. so it got very, you know, on, on Sunday they would come over because, oh, plus we had Grandma living with us too. I forgot to. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so when they'd come over to see Grandma, well, then they, they always got into political debates, uh, mm. you know, from time to time. So that was always interesting to listen to them. their perspective of the of the country and how it should be run. So So, they're not big
0: FCR fans. Oh okay. So do you remember those political debates pretty well then?
1: Uh fairly well, yeah.
0: Interesting. And you
1: know, there's like every two sides to every story, and it depends on
0: your
1: your viewpoint of it.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And uh, what schools did you attend as a child and teenager?
1: Uh, I went to uh, St. Joseph's uh, school. We all did. We walked to school. There was no buses. Uh, It was about a mile and a half
2: walk every day with my brother, Miz, walking single file lines, and he'd he'd be
1: in the back. If we didn't go fast enough, he'd step on our heels. Uh, (laughs) My gosh. So we, we uh, all went there uh,
0: to uh, elementary school through eighth grade. Okay. And then I went to La, La Porte High School. And the high school is right across the street from the grade, grade school. Oh, okay, sure.
1: It's a public high school.
0: Yeah. How would you describe your educational experiences at those schools? I I
1: think they were you know, Saint Joe a lot more a lot more advanced than uh, the uh, high school than in you know in math and algebra and things like that in English so that was uh, the one difference but uh, as far as experience I mean we didn't have any uh, physical education basically we went, that was recess time uh, so that was new and uh, workshop and things like that so the, the public's had more variety of, uh, to expand to.
0: Right. Did you have any favorite subjects in school?
1: Uh, history was one of my favorites, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, did you take part in any extracurricular activities? Uh, well, I was on, I went out for football,
2: uh, the, my freshman year, I was 99 pounds. I was, wow. I just went <laughs>
1: on the team. Yeah. And, uh. I was the fourth-string quarterback. Well, by the end of the season, the other three had got hurt, so I was a quarterback for the last couple of games.
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy!
1: So by attrition, I was I moved up the
0: ranks. How, how did you uh, do as a, as the quarterback? Not well. Not well. <laughs> uh, it was just you know
1: we played teams that were you know more up out of our our division. I mean, out of our league. I mean, I remember. There was a guy from Elkhart that was playing the safety at the time. So he comes, he was a big fullback. and He ended up being one of the All-Americans. But he probably weighed like 240 or something like that. So he comes running through there. I'm the last guy in the safety. So I
0: grab onto him about the 30-yard line. He drags me all the way into the end zone. Oh, my <laughs> gosh.
1: I, I held on, but it yeah, no d-
0: Didn't help, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that I, uh, but baseball was my true love, so I uh, made the baseball team, and
1: uh, that was before we had uh, baseball championships, but we won our, uh, when I was a junior, we won the uh, league we were in, the, all the with all the high schools, uh, we won that, and we had a guy on there named Ron Reed, uh, who went on and played uh, basketball and baseball at Notre Dame. And then he went on to the majors and played for the White Sox. Uh, wow. The Phillies. Uh, he played about
0: 15, 16 years in, in the majors. That's cool, yeah. Yeah. So, what, posi- I, what position did you play in baseball? I
1: played center field. I was batted second because I was fast. Uh, yeah. I led, I led the team in stolen bases uh, both years. Wow, okay. then we only played 20 games. But, yeah,
0: still. Uh, yeah. It
1: was, it was a little different. That's cool. And then during the summer, I played in the Summer League. Um, my dad had a baseball team called the Port Sportsman. And uh, of course, I started as a bat boy and ball chaser. You, know, you had to go chase
2: the foul ball. Right. <laughs> you didn't have that many new
1: balls. So we, uh, that's how I really grew up in a baseball family. And my dad was the coach at St. Joe for football, basketball, and baseball. So we would, uh, like when my dad got home from work at 4.30, uh, or 4, yeah, about 4.30, we, the boys always ate on the first shift. We ate shifts. Okay. And the boys ate <laughs> on the first shift, so then we'd go with dad to whatever we were, we were doing that time <laughs> of the year with ba- baseball and basketball.
2: So uh, that was one good thing, because then we didn't have to
1: wash any dishes.
0: All right. Yeah, that's 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 really wild. Yeah, eating chips—that's crazy. Yeah. Did you? uh, Did you get? Did you ever go with your dad or something to any professional baseball games, like a road trip or anything? Yeah, we used to go up.
1: uh, He got vacation around the Fourth of July every year for uh, two weeks, and so we'd go up to Cubs. Where I was a big Giants
2: fan, and. Oh,
1: was my dad. Yeah. My, my mom was a big Cubs fan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we would always go up and and catch a game and uh, go to uh, a nice restaurant in Chicago, and then go up to uh, Racine, Wisconsin. We had relatives up there. Yeah. And we stayed with them, but I didn't go every year because you know we had to take turns of going. When if it was our year or not.
2: So. Right.
0: Yeah, that's fun. Okay. What were your views of the state of Indiana, or about being a Hoosier as a child? Well, I really didn't know
2: uh, a lot more because it, we didn't do a lot of traveling. We didn't do yeah. a lot of go outside the state too much.
1: Uh, I delivered the paper, but I didn't read it that much.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was more interested in history stuff and sports. i probably more interested in sports than I was a lot of other things but
1: uh, it, it seemed to be you know a good good state there was uh, my dad always felt that the workers were not represented enough in the state and it was more of a business community so uh, a business environment uh, yeah. especially in the little town of La Port.
0: and where did you end up going to college
1: uh it's funny there was a guy that played on my dad's team uh who was the uh, coach at um, Murray state down in kentucky so he gave me a uh, sort of a,
2: a t- little ride pays for your books and part of your tuition oh. so i went down to down to kentucky
1: to play baseball but when i got down there the, the coach had signed up with central michigan so there was a a whole different coach down there so wow. I really did play white stout at Murray State and then I ended up working at the Dairy Queen making more money and having more free time because baseball was a fall sport Then you were indoor working yeah. in the spring and you you know it was it was a full time sport which I wasn't used to so
0: yeah okay sure and what did you uh, study at Murray State
1: history and political science
0: oh okay cool and so after Murray State, where did you go? Uh,
1: I went up to, uh, 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 back home to La Port, and there was a teaching. Uh, I graduated in January, and so there was a teaching job for a lady who was on pregnancy leave. So I taught at a high school uh, called Boone Grove. It's a little school up in the Valparaiso area. So that was my first teaching job. It was interesting because the you were hired by the township trustee, so you had to go to see the, the township trustee. Wow.
0: Okay. And get, get your job, and then,
1: uh, I did that for just you know uh, four months, half a year, then I got a full-time teaching job in Michigan City in a little school called Long Beach.
0: Interesting. Never heard of it. No, I haven't. <laughs> and so, so after you got your your degree in history and political science. So did you just want to become like a history teacher? Is that it, or yeah, that's
1: what I, yeah. I wanted to do, but yeah. there weren't any openings. It was right uh, uh, for that. So uh, I, they had this opening for elementary teachers, so uh, and I went on and got my master's in education while I was teaching. So and of course, in those days, it was a requirement. Oh,
2: okay. So you didn't have a choice. Right. But you had to go and get it within here, so many years. So.
1: But Long Beach is a whole other
0: story. We'll we talk about that if we can. Yeah. So, okay, so where did you get your master's? Uh,
1: IU. IU, okay.
0: Okay. And um, so what What was, uh, how did you like your college experiences at Murray State and at IU? Uh, Murray State
1: was different. I mean, there was... Number one, it was the deep south. Uh, I can remember uh, going downtown. They still had the wooden sidewalks and you go downtown and uh, 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 a person of a different color would be walking toward you and they'd step out into the street. I mean, wow. this was you know, in the 60s, but yeah. it was, still, it was, it was right. strange.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I did, I did hitchhike down to... Uh, one of my classmates and we hitched hitchhiked, believe it or not, from Kentucky down to Florida for spring break. Oh My gosh! And that's when I really, really saw you know the separation of uh, colored water fountains, bathrooms, restaurants. It was just you know, versus, this was in the '60s, so yeah, I was still alive. Then.
0: Yeah, it opened my eyes a lot. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that must have been yeah, pretty, pretty shocking to see um but yeah I guess yeah yeah wow so I guess with that in mind and just your college experiences in general uh did you start to sort of develop political opinions more in college
1: uh I don't know if it was more it was uh, you know Kennedy got elected in 60. I was still in high school. I mean, you know, so I'd been following politics. But my dad was, in the 50s, was a city councilman okay. in the city of Laporte, So I worked on some of his campaigns, going door to door. And, you know, we'd go to the churches and put stuff on there. while well, people are in church, in the parking lots, on their woodshield. You know, we did all those kinds of things. You know,
2: right.
1: stood at the polls when, uh, on election day. So, the old fashioned politics.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And he took me to like, you know, early Stevenson speak and, you know, different, different speakers.
0: Right, okay. So now, uh, thinking back to your your working career, so you the first school you worked at was Long Beach? Yes, well, that was, that was
1: really my second, but that, yeah, I, I spent 23 years at Long Beach. Okay.
2: That's really.
0: Okay, and so how how did you enjoy your experiences there?
1: I loved it. It was it was a great community. Uh, um, the it's it's right of course it's right on the lake, uh, but there's a great history of uh, Al Capone and all the mafia guys had homes there in, oh, in wow. the Beach, and they had tunnels connected. So in case one got raided, they could take a tunnel up to somebody else's house. I mean, it, it has a Really unique history. And then the, when the steel mills came in, a lot of the executives bought homes there. It's uh, sort of like a car was an expensive place to live. Uh, luckily, I was able to find a small house to live there and raise, you know, part of my family.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well wow, that sounds, yeah, it does sound pretty interesting. And so,
1: we had, we had a lot of good students too because their parents were concerned about, you know, right. their education.
0: Yeah. So was it on one of, it was right on the lake or something then, or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Right
1: on the lake front. It's just east of Michigan City.
0: Oh, okay. Sure. And if you go up a little farther, uh, and you're, you're on the Michigan line, right? One, one side you're on Indiana, the next, and the lake
2: front you're on Michigan. And uh, Mayor Daly from Chicago has a home up, up there, the old mayor, well, the old has home up there
0: too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Okay. So when did you get married?
1: I got married in Michigan City at Queen of All Saints Church.
0: Okay. And uh what year was that? Uh that was nineteen
1: sixty nine.
0: Okay. And uh do you have any children?
1: Uh I have five through two marriages. and three with the first marriage and two with the second.
0: Okay, got it. And uh, how influential was your family on your career? Oh, Influential were they to your career? Well,
1: they're very influential. They, they helped, uh, you know, mold me as one that listens more than uh, talks because I had never a chance with uh, <laughs> all those women around. Okay. Uh, I was going to be a good listener. Uh, and then during the campaigns, they all helped out. I was running. Uh, I will say, just going back a, a step, in 1968, I was a campaign coordinator for Robert Kennedy up on the port. Oh, wow. Did a little parade. I got a picture with him Lowe, and that's uh, And we were going right through, through downtown La Porte. And...
0: Uh, Robert Kennedy had a book called uh, To Seek a New Newer World, and I was supposed to get him to sign it, but he was busy with, you know, talking to people and waving things. So Ethel said, here, I'll sign it. So she signed it. It was fun sharing the back seat with you. Love, Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway,
2: and
1: then in 69, he got married, uh, and three, two boys and a um, girl with uh, my first
0: Okay. So, how did you become more seriously involved in politics?
1: Well, I, the uh, state senator that was representing representing us was Republican. wasn't doing a uh, what I, I thought enough for education, and so that's how I. Is, is that what you're asking? That or how did I first get involved? Or
0: yeah. Yeah, so like how did you get your career rolling there in politics and, you know, how, how, uh, yeah. Well, I, I belonged to the young Democrats and then
1: I'd help people on campaigns, Birch uh, by uh, John Brademas who was a congressman up there. I'd, I'd help on their campaigns and organize, you know, people that go door to door for them and, you know, we did one, one year we did a registration of, Back in those days, you had to go to the courthouse. You couldn't get a list. You couldn't just buy a list. You had to go to the courthouse, and then you get to check and see how they voted. If they voted, you know, straight Democrat, uh, you know, nine times in a row or ten times, and you put their name down because you thought you, they were going to vote. You know, they voted every year, and they were Democrats. And so put their name down and their address, and then we had a cross go They all those names and go back and cross-reference them to a uh, book that the attorneys had with the address and the phone number. So then we we could call them and we we knew, you know. Uh, It was a long process but I got a lot of high school kids to do it and uh, the congressman would always pay for the pizza dinner afterwards so it all worked
0: out. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah.
1: So that's how I really got started doing that, organizing and, and uh, doing different
0: things. Yeah, okay. And... Uh, w- so when did you decide that you wanted to run for the General Assembly? Well, I, in... in uh, probably
1: 1975...
0: Okay.
1: I started thinking about it, and looking into it, and talking to different people, and see what kind of support was out there, and if it was doable. And uh, it was it, it was funny because we had one senator for the, the for the district, but we had two representatives for the same district. <laughs> That's how old that. You know, yeah. I go back to the way I do it. Not single districts, but they had two member districts. And some had more than that. So uh, those were Democrats, and I, th- I knew I couldn't beat any one of them in a the primary. So I put my hat in the ring in 76 uh, and ran against the Democrat who had been the, the last time there was a Democrat state senator. He was an insurance guy and gives a lot of money to the party and all that. And so I, I had run against him in the primary, and I, that was probably my closest race that I'd been in my, my 400 votes, because there's, there's not a lot of voter, voters in the primary. Sure. And once I won that, then I went on to the general election, and it was the Carter years, and so the Democrats did well.
0: Yeah, okay. And as you initially became involved in politics, did you have any key issues or legislation that you wanted to work on? Well, education was always, you know, I didn't think there was enough funding for the schools, and I didn't think they paid attention to the, the needs of the teachers and some of the students. They just lumped them all together and said, you know, this is what you get. So. Okay. Um, and then we have a little railroad up there called the South Shore. I don't know if you know that about that or not. Uh, not much. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's, it's a little commuterated road. It goes from South Bend to
0: downtown Chicago. Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: And, uh, I mean, I, before I even went down, after I got elected, the day I went, went down to Indianapolis in 1977, there was an ICC hearing in Michigan City, because Bay Area was going bankrupt. And so um, I said I was going to go and try to set up a district and. Can
0: find some funding for it. And I did. Wow. Okay. That's cool. Of course, we were in the majority of the Senate uh, back then. I know it's hard to believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Things have changed quite a bit since then. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: So, did you have a particular campaign strategy when you were running for the General Assembly?
1: Uh, Yeah. I I figured. um, Michigan City is basically democratic, so you have to come out of Michigan City by at least 2,000 votes ahead of a Republican. Yeah. The county is basically Republican, so you, gotta, that, you can't lose that by more than 2,000 votes. You know, that's so that offsets each other. So the key is Laporte. So uh, I spent, and I'm from
0: Laporte, so I had a, a good base there, so that. That was that was my strategy, and it, it, it paid off. So. Yeah. Okay. Do you so do you remember what your first election day was like?
1: Nervous.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember. The, uh, we didn't know we were gonna win or not, so we didn't have a big party planned or anything. You know, it's yeah. the first time thirty-two years old. Yeah. You never know, so we. We just had a little get together at the Holiday Inn with a bunch of the workers. So, um, and I won by seventeen hundred votes. So it was. So I really didn't have any real. I mean, I was excited and all that, but, you know. But it was a matter of I didn't. Have,
1: you never know if you're going to win or not. Yeah. That's the way it was. So. Yeah. But then four years later, I ran against the same guy because he he thought he lost on a fluke. Okay. I beat him on a fluke the first time. Well, this time, second time, I beat him by 3,400. Okay. Doubled. And that was the year Reagan ran, uh, ran for president, 1980. And, you know, Reagan swept the county and everything else. In fact, I, w- I won and another judge won. We were the only two Democrats on the whole ballot to, to win in 1980. Wow. And... The funny thing was, I had a big plan, a party plan. <laughs> the second time, nobody showed up
0: because. You know what? Thought you were going to win.
1: That's
0: I was the only two Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Was sort of funny.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, how did your feelings change with each reelection that you had?
1: Uh, just uh, stronger and stronger. I, I felt that, you know, I worked, worked at I, I you always run as as if you're behind. If you don't, if you don't have that
2: yeah. feeling in your belly, then you, you're gonna lose. You, right. You gotta just do everything that you did in previous campaigns. Maybe a little more than
1: others. It's easier to to raise money when you're incumbent than it is when you're just first. That was the other thing. The first time I ran, it, I ran on a shoestring budget because you know nobody wanted would, to even take a chance. Even the teachers' union was. I had to convince them to support me because they were afraid that if I lost, that this guy was the head of the labor committee and a lot of the education stuff went through the labor committee. and They they were afraid to go against him,
0: but in the end they did support me. Yeah, okay. And so thinking about the first time that you were ever elected, what was it like to walk into the state house your first day as an elected official? It was, I, you know, it was just amazing, you know, such a beautiful building and such, you know, people were
2: nice to me and, you know, it was just a whole sense of the being, you know, something important is going to happen here. And I'm, I'm right in the middle of what's going on. And
0: right, right. You're in the in the middle of the, the whole state issues and whatever you do affects everybody in the state and it's, it's a big challenge and a big task. What were your expectations for the legislative process? Mm.
1: You know, they were a lot different than in uh, the
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wanted it was to be Yeah, they were there're not like they read, you're reading a reading the book.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> a little bit more complicated. We a,
1: a lot more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but
2: it, it's it's a process and uh, once you learn it and uh, um, how it all w- it works, it,
0: it, it really makes a lot of sense. But at, at the time, when you're trying to get something done, uh, it, it's frustrating. So how did you learn the ins and outs of state politics?
1: Um, basically, I just being on committees and watching how other uh, people yeah. worked and uh, how they... And were able to get their points across in comparison to others, and how prepared they were. I mean, it's it's one thing in the, in the you know, the guy in the caucus that, you know, you better know the answer to the question that you ask, because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. So if you, if you get up on the Senate floor and you ask a question and you don't know the answer to it, and the, the, the guy you're questioning, he, he gives you an answer, you don't know if it's right or wrong. So,
2: right. you know, you have to know... Yeah, to be prepared
0: uh, uh, on what you're talking about. Did you have any political mentors once you settled into the Indiana General Assembly? Uh, yeah, I sort of. Uh,
1: Frankelman was sort of a mentor of mine, and uh, a guy named Tom Teague, who was, was a young senator, he sort of guided me through a lot of stuff. So. Yeah. Okay. And it was funny there was uh, four of us that were in our 30s that were elected at that, uh, that first year so
2: we sort of had the same ideas about you know how things are working and how they're not working and and sort of stuck together that way right right
0: So how did you keep track of the needs and wants of your constituents?
1: Well, there's always a difficult problem in that, uh, basically, you know, we sent out surveys. Uh, I didn't send out b- very many my first couple of years, because I, you know, uh, I didn't have a
2: big mailing list, I like everybody else did, so I'd set those up. But if somebody, would write me a handwritten letter. I would definitely read that. Yeah, and, you know, respond to it.
1: Uh, there was two big issues uh, that when I, the, the first year was the Equal Rights Amendment. Have yep. never heard of that,
0: right? No, I've I've heard of it. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've talked to a few people about it uh, that I've interviewed before. Um,
1: yeah, it's the it was the. We were the last state to ratify it, but it
2: still hasn't been ratified by uh, 36 states, so yeah. uh, it was very contentious. It was very, very,
1: so I, w- I would get hundreds, hundreds of letters on it, you know, one way or the other. But most of them were all just, uh, you see, they just filled in their name, you know. Oh, okay. Their senator, and then it was, you know, the same. Same letter from all these different groups. They'd have a meeting and they'd just pass them on, and everybody'd send them. So right. I didn't pay much attention to them. I just took a, took a count, you know, how many was for how many against, but not, didn't really respond to them. But uh, somebody wrote had a handwritten letter uh, to me. Yeah, that I would uh, take time to respond to. But they, there weren't that many uh, at first.
0: So. Right. So uh, how involved were you in the Equal Rights Amendment?
1: Well, I was pretty involved, and actually, the equal rights uh, people came up and uh, campaigned for me on weekends from Indianapolis.
2: Oh, wow. From different places. Yeah. So they, 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 that was a, one of the. Di- there, there weren't
1: a lot of difference between the incumbent and myself when I first ran. He, w- he was against the Equal Rights Amendment, and he was against the lottery, and I was for both of them. And that was
0: about the only two issues we differed on. Everything else we were very similar on. Yeah, okay. So um, for people that may listen to this that are not too familiar with the Equal Rights Movement, can you explain what the situation was at the time and what the the two different sides, what their opinions were and why they, they thought that way?
1: Well, it was just to, to give equality uh, uh, to, to women,
2: uh, basically. What, what I don't have the language in front of me, but right. uh, it, it was based on equality for women, and it
1: felt the Constitution didn't clarify enough, and this was an amendment, the Constitution, which had to be ratified by 36 states, uh, and we were one of them. Now, those opposed to it said, well, if you do that, then you're going to have to
2: have, you know, women would be able to go, you just have one bathroom, everybody will go to the same bathroom and, right. you know, there were just small little stuff about how yeah. uh, women would uh, take over and now they have the rights and men won't have the right, same
1: rights to, to, that they had before, so. Yeah, okay. But it says equal rights, so, but, you know, their, their argument was weak, but they had yeah. enough people, conservatives to, uh, states and conservatives to uh, believe that.
0: Okay, so from your understanding, it was just basically the other side just didn't want to have equal rights for women. Right, right. Yeah. Now, I've I've remember reading in like newspapers and stuff about this. How some uh, some Republicans were saying like we don't think this is necessary because women already have equal rights and stuff. Did you hear that argument a lot?
1: Yes, yeah, and there is, see, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, I'm not not even a lawyer. Right. Uh, There is something in the Constitution, and that's what they were saying, they were relying on that. this is not needed
2: because they already have it. Uh, I think it's the 13th Amendment, but I
1: just can't remember right now.
0: Yeah. And so how did you and uh, your colleagues from the Democratic Party refute those type of uh, statements. Well
1: we're saying that that it doesn't totally include uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: women. This would clarify it further. It was more of a right. clarification.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really really interesting uh, time period with, with all that going on and I, I guess this was a pretty intense debate.
2: Yes. Was and we we had a couple of Republicans that voted for it, and some Democrats voted against it. Uh,
1: yeah. I remember one of the senators had to get a call from uh, Jimmy Carter to, to switch his vote to vote for the uh, amendment.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez, that's that's really okay. wild.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then one, you had to have a police car because his life was threatened. So you had that.
0: Gosh. Yeah. Yeah,
1: It was was, was tense.
0: Yeah. So, thinking more about your career in the General Assembly, do you remember the first bill that you sponsored? Oh, I sponsored? Yeah. Yeah, I
1: can
2: remember the first bill. Uh, The first bill I had was
1: brought to me by the Department of Natural Resources. And Basically, it said that a hunter had to get permission to hunt on a land uh, from the landowner to hunt on his property. Okay. Okay. Pretty simple, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to the committee hearing, right? you know, thinking well, the DNR is going to
2: testify for it. Uh, this, well, the place was packed. The, the committee room was packed. Oh my God. Because those committee rooms are
1: small anyway.
2: But yeah. Uh, it, w- it was backed. So I get up and I testify for it, and I said, you know, this just you know makes common sense. That you should ask the landowner before you right. would own
1: his property and hunt. Yeah. Well, then the, the fox hunters of Southern Indiana, get, get up and said, we have these fox hunts, and we go all over, and we're not gonna we're not gonna try to get a from every landowner o- to hunt these fox. We do it twice a year, and we think this bill is not needed. So, <laughs> the committee chairman, Aaron uh, testified that they thought it was needed. That there maybe are some exceptions when you're doing fox hunting or whatever you know sport that you're doing.
0: So, right. So it, uh the chairman uh, just tabled the bill. <laughs> but see, a lot of times things that you think make sense. Yeah. Yeah, well I guess that's one of those things I've I've always kinda of heard is that like specific like specific legislation for very localized uh problems get a lot of attention because these people that you know are living in these communities, that's stuff they pay attention to. Um more than some of the bigger things that they don't necessarily are connected with much, but like little local issues, some people can really latch onto. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it
1: was a statewide issue, but
2: anyway, it didn't make it. it didn't go anywhere, so I don't think it's.
0: Been, yeah. of. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty pretty wild though. I I would almost kind of think that it could be kind of dangerous to let people hunt on your property and. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's There's a culture down there, so they yeah. go ahead and do it. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> D- yeah. Different different things happening different places, I guess, yeah. Um, right. so how was the regular interaction what was it like between the different uh, members of the General Assembly, formal and informal? Um, back then it was a lot more
1: re- relaxed. worked together on a lot of issues, uh, Senator Miller, Dick Miller, uh, was a caucus chairman and I was a caucus chairman, and he'd come over and he said, uh, uh I need three votes, you know, in, on a particular bill, whatever it was, and so, uh, I'd work it out so he could get his three votes to, to get it passed. It, it would be something that was not real controversial, but, you know, Something probably should be should have been should be done. So yeah. Uh, so in those days, we talked to each other. We just you know, just getting, you got a problem here. We, we socialized a lot more. Uh, the Democrats all stayed at athletic clubs. The Republicans all at the Columbia Club. So it, after you know session, we go there. And, you know, have dinner there. We go out to dinner, and then, of course, back then in the early days. Indianapolis shut down at six o'clock. I mean, there
2: was yeah.
1: very few things open.
2: Yeah,
1: so, yeah. Uh, we did a lot of that uh, together.
0: Uh, a lot more than it's I think is done today. Okay. Uh, what were the differences between the House and Senate? Uh,
1: Senate was more more strict. On, on talking well, about my first day I walked in the Senate and I'm going to session. So I go into my, where I'm going to be sitting, I take my coat off and put it in the back of the chair like I always did when I was teaching. You know, I, know I do that every day. Well, the,
0: the Secretary of the Senate came over and said, Senator, you have to keep your coat on during the, in the Senate chamber. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Get scolded for that. Yeah. That's yeah. funny.
1: It's, anyway, yeah. Uh, they're the house is just a bit more relaxed. Uh, they, they're they're slower on things. I mean, they got twice as
2: many numbers. You know, they got a hundred compared to fifty. Yeah. So it's uh, and they they tend to uh, be more dramatic on a lot of things, and uh, said,
0: tends to be more policy oriented and, and uh, talk issues more than the the, Senate, the house does. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of the process for generating a bill, did it did it seem pretty complicated, or did you feel like you know, did you thought the think the process was was pretty straightforward, or?
1: Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, when I was there, uh, LSA Lands the Service Agency. Uh, Wrote the bills for you, yeah. So, right, uh, and they still do it today. And so, you would give them an idea, and a concept, and then they they do all the background checks and see if there was already in the if it was in the law or wasn't in the law. But you know, so they were the the big help in make sure the language was correct in all in all aspects. Yeah. Uh, as far as the language, now when it came to amendments, we had to do our own amendments. LSA didn't do amendments in those days, so we had uh, we had lawyers on our staff that would write the amendments. So, uh, so that's where it got. Yeah, still, most, most of the legislators were lo- uh, were lawyers, so it,
2: it really would take a lawyer to put put it in the right context and the right you know area of the law. So yeah, okay.
1: You give them like, the idea of what you wanted in the bill, uh, bill or amendment, and then they would. Uh, use the correct language.
0: Right. And how did you garner support for your legislation?
1: Uh, well basically if I, uh, before I would uh, bring a bill down uh, of course in those days you got to call your your own bill down okay. in, in, the, in the Senate. Uh, so before I called out if, if I, thought it was real controversial and, and, you know, maybe had a hard time getting through committee, I'd do a head count. I'd go around and see how many votes I had, and then I'd go to caucus and say, this is how many I have, you know, I haven't talked to you, can you support this or not, and then try to get a head count there. Uh, The thing is, a couple times I had, legislators say they were going to vote for it, and then I got on the floor and voted against it. Wow. That's always the most of Upsetting thing to happen to you because you know you're counting on him, it's you know, you get a head count, boom, doesn't it backfires on you, and then it looks like you didn't know what you were doing. Well, I thought I knew what I was doing, <laughs> just some other people changed their mind at the last minute.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's fascinating. So, how hard was it to keep track of like uh, who you could count on to vote for your legislation or not?
1: Yeah, well, depending on what the issue was, but education, anybody that was in education, you could, you yeah. know, go to them usually, because if they weren't in the education committee, they're still educators, but they're on other committees,
2: so committees are going on all the time, so you you have to get them when they're not in committee, and it might be after session, late at night, uh, or early in the morning, Yeah, because the days are filled once it gets, you get started. You, I always like to come in early uh, in the morning and
1: Uh, that's when I got things done or late at night because people start interrupting you and then you got committee hearings or you're on the floor so you you can't get a lot done then
0: yeah sure that makes sense Uh, how was legislative business conducted outside of formal votes and committee meetings
1: how was it conducted
0: yeah was like
2: informally
1: <laughs>
0: yeah informally how was it how was it conducted like did you have a lot of like talking with people in the hallways about trying to get support for legislation or going out to dinner with people or yeah going
1: out, it was usually somebody had an issue we'd end up going out to dinner okay. or you know having a cup of coffee or you know some place away from the capital so you could actually talk
0: yeah yeah was it Was it hard to talk around the Capitol because of reporters, like, hovering around, or? No,
1: but there was always lobbyists, and, you know, you walk out, you go out, and they say, oh, so-and-so's talking to so-and-so, you know, so then, you know, then they start rumors about, you know, what's going on and what's not going on, so a lot of times it's better off just to meet outside the State House. Yeah, okay. The reporters were, in the early days, they weren't, They were in the chamber, which is unusual, but they weren't, uh, you know, we lots of times went across to the press club and they, you know, we'd sit and have dinner and and drinks with them at the press club. I mean, it
0: was more
1: informal in those days.
0: Sure. Okay. Now, how influential was party leadership when it comes to what legislation would get pushed forward or not?
1: Oh, I think it's real influential because the uh, president pro tem controlled uh, what bills would be, go to committee.
0: Okay. So were there ever occasions at all when people kind of bucked party leadership on something or would they all pretty much follow in line?
1: Well, there were times when they bucked leadership, but it uh, depends on the issue, but mainly uh, yeah, but in the caucus, the, the, we never had a caucus bind. I mean, as, as caucus chairman, uh, when I was there, and before yeah. me and after me, is that you say, <clears throat> I don't care how you vote, just remember, the people that sent you here, can you go back to your district and explain how you voted yes or no? Right. If you can do that, that's all I'm asking you.
2: You know, because every district is different. Yep. People are different in the state, north, to south. So we never had a bind on things, but just saying, you know,
1: I would appreciate your vote. But if your people in your district are opposed to this, that's fine.
0: Right. So, okay. That sounds like a logical way of going about it. Um,
1: uh, logic doesn't work too much. The- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, suppose politics makes that a little bit more complicated sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how often did you have to work with uh, the Republican Party to get legislation done?
1: Well, uh, first three years, no, because I was in the majority. Okay.
2: <laughs> right. The next 14, it was
1: always, you know, you can, we had, I remember I had a bill about uh, the mayor got killed in the poor It was I broke in his house and shot him. Oh my anyway, gosh. Republican, the House had a bill I had a bill very similar. And so of course the Republican bill passed.
2: Yeah. Language was the same. But yeah. yeah but
1: so, which is fine. I, the, the poor thing that it, it passed. Yeah. I never had a pride of authorship. Some guys do. It's nice but... Right. Yeah.
2: You know. And the other thing Well, in those days I, I think they changed but... Uh, in the Senate, you had to be present to vote, you know, so your voting record, you might have been in a committee
1: or you might have been in the hall and missed a vote, but then you, you never, there was very few people who ever had 100% voting in the Senate. In the House, the neighbor could vote for you. So if you were gone, you sat next to
0: you, he'd vote for you. That's super weird. That, was, okay. what? that sounds super strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's that was the way it was. Wait, So they, could, they always had a hundred percent voting
0: record because uh, the neighbor voted for them. So, so okay, how how was seating arranged? You're you're sitting next to, uh, I guess, someone from your own party though most of the time. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. So not gonna have like someone from the other party vote, you know, vote yeah, for like, you. Yeah. And they're divided down the, the aisle: yeah. Democrats on one side, yeah. Republicans on the other. So.
1: Um, and now there's so, so few democrats there so they have
0: to mix them in together but. yeah wow how were the interactions like between uh, democrats and republicans when you served uh, I think they were pretty pretty normal I mean you know we we would argue things but we weren't enemies yeah uh, uh, we just thought, thought our point of view was important to be you
1: know as a minority, most of the time, is that, you know we wanted to make sure what the bill actually did and how it really affects everybody. And yeah. A lot of times they would just oh good bill should pass, but well, wait you know, time out. You know, so anyway, uh, they got, we got along fairly well.
0: Now. Since you started serving in the, in the 70s, when you got into the 90s, did you notice any change at all, or were, were things still functioning pretty much the same in terms of uh, how people got along from the different parties?
1: Uh, I think they were starting to get more hostile to, towards each other okay. uh, in the 90s. In the 80s, uh, it was, you know, we went... Uh, when I was elected, there were uh, 20, 27, um, yeah, 27 Democrats and 23 Republicans. And then by ne- 1981, there were 35 Republicans and 15 Dem- Democrats. So you know, we lost uh, 12 seats in that period of time, from '77 to '81. Okay. That's when Reagan got elected, and there are a lot of other circumstances. But they redrew through the maps. But then, by uh, nineteen ninety, uh, we we came up to twenty six twenty four. So we were only one one vote short of uh, being a tie. And uh, Franklin, with the governor it was a Democrat, so he would break the ties. But uh, that's uh, it's not impossible for the Senate Democrats. We did, um, when we got down to 15, uh, Franco Bannon and Louie Mayhearn and myself, we would go out uh, after session and we go to uh, small towns and talk, small c- counties where, where there were Republicans and talk to the, the Democratic uh, holder, like it might be the county sheriff or the uh, tre- clerk treasurer or whatever, and it was a Democrat and it was Republican county, and we knew that they had. Uh, People voted for them more than they looked at their party affiliation. So we started recruiting those kind of people, and we went from uh, 15 to 24. Just one short of getting those, that 25th one. So it's a matter of recruiting, and you got to go and, you know, it's a Republican state, but there are still some good Democrats that are elected in these counties, and they can't be recruited.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Now, when you served in the Indiana General Assembly, uh, from your experience, what does the public not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates?
1: Uh, I think probably the conference committee is what they they don't know or how it operates. Okay. Uh, That, and even...
2: uh, even legislators don't know, about, or lobbyists and legislators don't know about committees. Right. Because it, it's a public hearing, but
1: somebody will offer amendments in committee, but only the committee members get to see it like an hour ahead of time. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not a good system, and it, it should be published way before that. Yeah. You know, at least a day ahead of time. That these are the amendments that are offered, and we're going to... We may hear them, we may not, but here are the amendments. So everybody has a chance to read them before they get into the committee. And I I just think that, as you're going to have open committee hearings, make them all open. Don't make part of it open. And then conference committees,
0: that's always been a a secret. Yeah, it's definitely, I'm sure, hard to digest a bill in a short period of time and then vote on it, whether it should go through. Yeah. Uh, what were the most controversial legislative issues during your time in the General Assembly? You already mentioned the uh, Equal Rights Amendment. Were there any others? Uh,
1: Leotril.
0: Leotril.
1: It's a cancer drug that you could get in Mexico, uh, but you couldn't get in the United States. Okay. It was just like the Equal Rights Amendment. We got thousands of letters. In fact, the
0: committee was so big they had to hold a committee hearing over in the stadium, uh, the old stadium. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that and that was one about. Uh, oh,
1: what was the other one? Soap says. I mean, it's not soap says. It's something in the soap. Uh, phosphates in the soap. Okay. Uh, it was real. It didn't go anywhere either, but it was very controversial.
0: Wow, so how did those even come about? Or that... <laughs> the,
2: well, you get a constituent, and you get a group of people together. I mean, yeah. especially if it's a cancer pill that cures cancer and supposedly cures cancer yeah. in Mexico, you, you know, you're going to say, hey,
0: we really got to take a look at this. Right. Um,
1: phosphates, I don't remember exactly okay.
0: all the
1: details on it it sort of just died its natural death.
0: Did you have any involvement in like in and like the debates regarding those pieces of legislation or are they just kind of things that were going on during your time?
1: Yeah, no. I, I stayed away from it as far as I could. Okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Number one, I did not believe that there was a drug in
2: Mexico that can cure cancer. Right, right. I mean, Hopefully but I, I was, you know, I didn't, yeah. didn't see any studies on it. Right. I had some studies, but I, yeah,
0: it's, I, you know, I
1: didn't trust them. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Things like that usually probably are too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh, what piece of legislation uh, did you work on that took the most time? Uh, the South Shore Bill. Okay. Uh,
1: creating the Northern Indiana Community Transportation District. Oh, okay. Uh, Uh, It covers uh, four counties, St. Joe County, Lepore County, Porter County, and Lake County. And Lake County wanted to always control everything, as they still like to. And sometimes they do, because they have the biggest population. But in order for this railroad to function, you can't have a great big So. I proposed one man, uh, one member from each district would be a county commissioner, one of the county commissioners from all four counties, and one from the governor's office. So you got an uneven number, you got five people, you know, so it takes three to, to pass anything. So uh, that's how I set it up, and it, it's it's still surviving today, and it's th- thriving today. I mean, today they get
0: millions of riders. Um, And before, they were going to be bankrupt. Yeah, okay. What was your proudest moment as a legislator? Proudest
1: moment? I think being sworn in, having my mom there.
0: Yeah, okay, sure. And what about the biggest challenge you had to overcome during your time in office
1: biggest challenge is probably uh... uh, balancing uh... my constituents back home when i go home on the weekend we always had
2: third house sessions we'd have two one in laporte and one in michigan city so that takes all set we went monday through friday in those days we didn't get off on thursdays Yeah,
1: Uh, so that Saturday was taken up mainly by going to these third house sessions and then you know you got Sunday and and Monday right back down here so it's a lot on the family that's hard to to balance that Um, other than that uh, I guess you know working working, um, the whole time while I'm, I'm down here, I did have a sub for my uh, students, but it's still, um, it
2: was it was hard to to uh, come back because I, I we'd get done in May, so i be, i leave in January and come back in May, so uh, that was tough sometimes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sure. What, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly?
1: Most important work is probably the budget uh, and education. I think that's the, in my opinion, the two most important things. Uh, I'm not real happy with the voucher system uh, because I think it's uh, hurting public education statewide. Okay. But the the budget is the, the key. All the other things are, you know, we
0: can live with them or without them. Right. Uh, but you got to have that budget to make the state function. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things I I read about in the newspaper, I'm not sure if you remember about this, but uh, um, it, I read that you had worked on some legislation at some point in time to help I guess, fight for literacy programs in the state. Do you remember anything about that?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember something about it. I don't think it went anywhere, unfortunately.
0: Okay. Just curious, because I thought it was kind of an interesting thing. I, not something I would have thought about uh, much before, so that's why I was curious. Um, but, uh Okay. Uh, what about in the 1980s, I saw that you had worked on some sort of a, uh, animal fighting legislation and animal cruelty legislation. Do you remember that? Yes. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about how that developed? And,
1: uh, yeah, well, there was a um, um, cockfighting going on in my district on the weekends. Wow. Uh, and then there was also dogs involved. Also, but the,
2: but the cock fighting was a big thing. And so police have raided him several times, but they still weren't able to, you know, they just moved it the next week or they still had him. So I yeah. tried to introduce legislation to make it Ill-
1: illegal and put some teeth into law. Yeah.
2: But uh, unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere. Wow. Okay.
1: But I brought the issue up, and I think that's
2: made people aware that there's that is going
0: on yeah do you think that's still a problem in the state to have stuff like that or oh yeah wow okay um let's see when did you leave the Indiana General Assembly was it was 1992 your last session yes okay and uh what made you leave well, I've been there. Uh, I was up pre election. I've gone through four election cycles. My wife wanted to move back to California, and so I thought, well, it's time to move on. And we, we just couldn't get
2: over that twenty six, twenty four, 24 because um, then they redistricted again, and then, you know, everything went downhill after that, even worse. So uh, I decided to, it was time to go ahead and retire. Yeah, Okay.
0: How would you summarize your time as a state legislator? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was
1: uh, a job that uh, has a lot of responsibility, but uh, I enjoy helping people out and trying to solve their problems
0: and make uh, Indiana a better state. Yeah, sure. Do you have any uh, funny or favorite stories from your time as a legislator? Uh, I don't know if it's legislative, but it's uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Sure. Um, In
1: 1987, uh, IU was in the final four down in uh, um, Louisiana, New Orleans. And so uh, I was lucky enough to ride down, fly down with the governor, and Frank O'Bannon and a couple other people uh, to go to the games on Saturday. And uh, IU played UNLV. And a friend of mine, uh, from one of my constituents, uh, went to Syracuse. He had got a hold of a couple extra tickets, so I met him down there and gave him the tickets. And then uh, the rest of them went out for... Lunch at a nice uh, French restaurant, but I stayed at the stadium and I got a hot dog. Well, I had a red sweater on. Well, unfortunately, I got mustard all over the front of the sweater.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so so I have a look on best. But anyway, uh, <laughs> IU wins against
2: UNLV, but it was closer, closer than the score ended up. But yeah. UNLV, they, they go down towards the end of the game and they back up. Get behind the three point line and sink him. I oh mean, they, they were just unbelievable. They didn't go for the two pointer. They didn't go wow. The point. well, anyway, IU went. So we're driving back to the
1: uh, airport in a, in a state police car, and the governor's in the front seat, you Novannan know, and Mayer and I in the back seat. And so uh, Frank says, No, you ask him. And then uh, Louis says to me, No, no, Gary, you ask him. So the governor, he overhears the conversation. He said, uh, it's a possibility you can uh, stop and uh, get some
2: beer, because there's no beer at the college games. Yeah, So. okay. Uh, so <laughs> state trooper says, oh, we make these executive privilege stops all the time. So he pulls in they a little 7-Eleven. You
1: know, <laughs> there's like four state police cars pulled in there, they're probably a Raider one, so we go out and get a case of beer. We go out, we fly home. They don't like to have alcohol on the plane, because if he crashes, then there's all kinds of
2: questions. Right. We, we didn't, so. Anyway, we go back on Monday, of course, the Senate's in session, right? Not yeah. Not the House. The House stayed down in New Orleans all weekend. Right. So we fly back
1: down and go to the game, and then at the end of the game, uh, uh, Sparta hits the shot, and IU beat Circus for the national championship. So we're all happy. So this time we're going back to the airport, we're all in different cars. So I get to the airport, and uh,
2: Governor Orr looks at me and says, "'Deary, where's the beer?' I <laughs> <laughs> says, "'Well, Governor,
1: you, you, I, I, I don't know.'" So he looks he looks at the state trooper and says, "'Take him where he needs to go.'"
0: So oh my gosh. <laughs> "'Go to the state police car, go out, out the
2: airport uh, to another settlement. to get a case of beer and get back on the plane.'" So, Wow. Uh, was a, was
1: a fun story.
0: Yeah, sounds like you guys were having a good time. Yeah,
1: because yeah. Well, IU won. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's right. Well, yeah, it would be a bad time if uh, IU did not win. That's true. That would be right. a different yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, did you have any regrets as a legislator?
2: Regrets?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: t- just... Uh, the study committees were sort of a waste of time. I wish they had more uh, impact.
2: I mean, you get these experts coming in and ta- testifying during the summer, and nothing really comes out of them. I mean, these times I were there, there were yeah. nice discussions, but you know, you're getting all these people together and not really uh, following through on
0: anything. So either make them so you do something, or. Just do away with them. Right. What advice would you give to future legislators or current legislators?
1: Uh, Do your homework. uh, Try to keep up on all legislation and remember who sent you.
0: Right. Last few questions here. How has the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime?
1: Uh, I think it's gone from, uh, very conservative, then
0: it went more middle of the road, now it's back to very conservative again. OK. And how has the Indiana General Assembly changed?
1: Uh, quite a bit. They only work three days a week. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, we were there for five, uh, Schedule has changed quite a bit. Uh, and the speaker doesn't have the power he used to have because the speaker used to call down the bills. In uh, the Senate, uh, same thing, the senator used to call down his own bill. Now the uh, lieutenant governor does, or, or the president pro Tem. So that's that's a big change on who, how your bills controlled or not
0: controlled. Yeah. Okay. Now, you were the Senate minority leader for a little while, right?
1: Right, four years.
0: And uh, how did you get into that role and what was that like?
1: Well, when Frank got elected Lieutenant the Governor, uh, then there was a, a void there. So when there was a, a caucus and votes. Uh, Together, and uh, I became the, the leader, he became the assistant leader, and then Hellman was, uh, he didn't want to be caucus chairman, uh, Jimmy Lewis wanted to be caucus chairman, so that's
0: how we sort of did a compromise within the caucus. Okay, sure. Uh, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers still have or hold dear? want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly. good. So is there anything that uh, we did not talk about that you want to mention at all or? I retired now, but I did uh, lobbying, so, so I've been in the hallway too. Yeah, okay. And as someone that has served as a as a lobbyist then and a legislator, uh, how, um, uh, I guess, what would you say is a, a healthy role for a, a lobbyist in government? I know that there's always can be some controversy about lobbying and how much should be allowed and shouldn't be allowed, or. Yeah, well. Since we're a part-time legislature,
1: uh, lobbying has a, a big influence in the Indiana General Assembly. If we're full-time uh, you're around to be different. But like, uh, I lobby for the nursing home industry.
0: No. Oh, okay. Most
1: people don't even understand what the nurse, how the nursing homes operate, where they get their money. Yeah. Uh, you know the Medicare Medicaid formula. It, it's a very complex uh, business. And because of that, uh, you have to inform or educate the legislators how it all functions. I would say there's probably, out of 150, there's probably only five people in the legislature that really knows how the business of of nursing homes. Right. And in in this instance, it's a matter of education. But the other thing is, (coughs) you know. You better be honest, because if you lie to a legislator, you're done.
0: Right, yeah, sure.
1: So, good or bad, I tell them one way or the other what it is, but you can tell both sides. But if you don't, then you're going to be in trouble.
0: Yeah, no, that that definitely makes sense. Uh, Anything else that comes to mind? (laughs) Oh, no worries, no worries. Any other things that come to mind that uh, you want to mention before we we stop the interview? Uh,
1: I think we're pretty well done.
0: Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking part in this project. Um, I'll probably have your interview up within the next uh, few weeks or so. And um, I I did receive your paperwork, so thank you for sending that. And, uh, yeah, so thanks again for doing this. I
2: appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.